0: All right. It's not every Sunday you get two sermons. It's a bonus. Think of it that way. Oh, man. So A.W. Tozer says, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And, and so when I think of these four G's, when I consider these attributes of God, I, I remember that quote, and I remember how revealing it is of me. And so Jared introduce these 4Gs well. I'm not going to reintroduce them, but I want to remind you that if we don't believe them to be true, then we're not going to see them play out into our lives. And if we're trying to make them play out into our lives, then we're going to fail. We're just producing a counterfeit belief. It's not true belief unless it starts with who we are, who God is making us, and flows into what we do. So don't don't hear these things, evaluate your life, and then say, okay, here's what I need to learn to, to do. Hear these things and see our God for who He is. And that changes you. And when that changes you, what you do flows from that. There's really nothing we can repeat more than to understand our, our being supersedes our doing. It has to be that way because that is how the gospel works. And Christianity is the only belief system that functions in that way. So we need to see it that way. And, and when we hear these other two G's, these other two attributes of God, don't, don't let yourself become overwhelmed with them because that is counterproductive. It's against what we're trying to do. Hear who God is and find freedom. It, in, in that main slide, it's not there right now. There's a little circle at the bottom that you probably couldn't read. It talks about these four things being liberating because that's what it is the four liberating truths about the character of God that's what we're talking about so we're finding freedom in these things and so great and good are the other two i'm just going to give them to you up front great and good and the reason I give them to you together is because I think often we consider great to be a little better than good like how you doing I'm good no I'm great that's not that 's not how it works in fact, for us to really understand what we 're talking about, we need to see it rightly so so great is a measurement of of quantity, so great, big, huge, massive, and in this case, uh, very clearly it 's god 's measurement of ability, power, authority, his sovereignty. God is great, humongous, bigger than any of us can imagine great, and good is a measurement of quality so in, in this, God is uh, satisfying, God is delightful, He is enjoyable, in fact, we should enjoy Him forever and enjoy Him in all things. So now that we see the difference, let's, let's break them down, let's, with that in mind, let's get into it. God is great, so what does that mean for us? We don't have to be in control. And so it's, it's freedom from having to control everything. We don't have to control everything because God is great. This isn't a God's so powerful, he's taking control from us. It's God's so big, so great, that we don't have to control and micromanage and, and be overwhelmed and stressed out by the things in life. So in his power, his ability, and his authority, God is unsearchable. God is unmeasurable. He is far above our ways. He's incredibly great and infinitely great. Psalm 145.3 says, God is great. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. Isaiah 55.8-9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher, than the Earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is our God, so far beyond what we can imagine. So we think about great things like like mountains and oceans and and clouds and and planets and solar systems, and it gets bigger and bigger and still we 've not even touched how big and how great and how powerful this God is and so we observe creation. We see his greatness. And we also know it to be true that God is sovereignly in control of all of these things. So not only is he great in size and in power, but in authority and sovereignty, he's absolutely in control of everything. Everything is his. Not not even in a way that we can fully comprehend God's in control. He's not in control like we're in control of a car when we're driving. He's not in control like the way we're in control of what your children do, which I don't have them yet. I just assume parents have it under control, right? But God is in control in in a far bigger way, in a way we can't fully understand, but we can see it like this. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Psalm 115.3 Our God is in the heavens. He does all He pleases. But when we get to the next attribute, you'll see why that's a good thing. So God is great and He is in control, sovereign over all things. But the truth is, we can know that stuff to be true. We can even see it to be true in a lot of in a lot of ways, looking at the world, looking at creation, we can see God's greatness, understanding Scripture and seeing how it plays out in the, in the lives and of the people in Scripture. We can see that God is great, but truly believing that is a different thing. In fact, it's amazing how often we don't believe that. And, you, and you maybe, maybe you don't notice it right away, but here's how we can tell if we believe God is great. We, we look at our actions. We look at our heart and are we relinquishing control to the God who is in control? Are we or instead trying to control and manipulate situations to get comfort or safety or finances or or trying to control our marriages or our children or our time or, or people's opinion of you or or the salvation of others or the sanctification of others or your own sanctification? Are we trying to pull these things into our own control? And if you're really good at it, you probably don't even notice it's going on until it fails. And as soon as you realize things are not in your control, those are the, those are the indicators. Those are the, the emotions you feel in those moments. That is your indicator for you not believing God is great. And those things are like, I'm stressed out. Well, God is great. If, if you're trying to control things, you don't believe God's great. That's why you're stressed out, or, or you're, you're sad all the time, or you're angry and frustrated all the time, or you're super annoyed by everything. I just threw super in there, because people that are annoyed tend to use words like super. I don't know if that's true. I, yeah, I do. I'm super annoyed. Okay. And it's funny that it played out the way, in fact, it wasn't even a discussion. Jerry just said, okay, I'm going to do these two. And I was, fine, whatever. I'm just gonna. He he connected to those two and I was like, well, I think I connect to all four. So I'm just I'm a failure in every way possible, so it'll be easy. But the more I look into understanding God's greatness and seeing the indicators in my own life, the more I realize I fail often to believe God is great. And and I don't I don't see it clearly because I just think, okay, God is great. Yes, God is amazing, He's big, He's powerful, God is certainly great. I don't have any problem believing that, but when I Consider how stressed I am in the midst of a a seminary semester. I realize I'm trying to control everything. When I consider what makes me uncomfortable around people, I mean, I seem like an extrovert to most people. I really don't like people a lot of the time. They're just a lot of work. Is that okay to say? I said it. We're going to have an elders meeting later and talk about that one. I I love people, but I'm very annoyed a lot of the time because I realize I don't have control over people. That's my heart, and I hate that. And the freedom from that comes through seeing and believing God is great, so I don't have to be in control. I can trust Him with all of that. And in that brokenness, When we all experience that moment where we realize, I don't have control over this. In that brokenness, one of two things can happen. We can lose our mind or we can worship a God that's great. But the problem with that is worship can't happen unless we we know the gospel. So again, we point back to Jesus God is great in all of creation. He's sovereign over all things, but we cannot truly worship until we see that God is great in the gospel, in the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ. That is the single greatest thing God has done. Giving us what we could no, no, it doesn't fit there. Giving us something we could not even gain, no matter how hard we tried, no matter how hard we work at it, it's completely out of our control. Giving us that, to freely worship him is the greatest possible thing. So considering the gospel, we're broken, we're hopeless, we're, we're utterly in despair. It's completely and totally impossible for us to fix the problem. And God came as a baby. He grew. He demonstrated. He laid down his life and he conquered death. How could we then be overwhelmed by any situation out of our control? a a gift given to us, freedom in the gospel, because we have a great God. Now, how dumb is it to say, God, you're great, you're powerful, you're sovereign over all things, you've saved me, you've given me what I could not gain on my own, you have made me right before you by clothing me in Christ, but I'm going to handle my financial situation, because I just, I feel more comfortable when it's in my control, or or I'm going to, I'm just going to manipulate the emotions of these few people just so I can be sure to control the situation. It's crazy, but we do it all the time because we fail to believe God is great. Instead, we look to the cross. We look to the empty tomb and we remember the power of this great God. And we remember his control is far better than our own. And we remember his word, Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. It's much better in His hands. He's for your good, and He is far greater than anything we can comprehend. And and what's more is He is good. And because God is good, we don't have to look anywhere else for goodness. We don't have to look anywhere else to be satisfied or to find comfort. We were created with needs. Everyone in here has needs, desires, wants. We were created with those things. Adam and Eve had them even before the fall. We want things. We need things. We crave. We desire things. God gave us that so that he could fulfill it. But also, he gave us that to reflect something deeper. So there's a a physical need, and it, it, it directly parallels a spiritual need. Examples, you're tired, so you need rest. So does your soul. You're hungry, so you need food. So does your soul. You're lonely, so you need companionship, intimacy, relationship, and so does your soul. God not only gives the good gifts that only He can give to take care of our physical needs, but God also takes care of our spiritual needs by giving us Himself. So we worship God in the enjoyment of the physical things and we worship God by going to Him for comfort, for satisfaction because He is good. He's better than all things. He's creator of all things, giver of all good things. This is a God who cannot be any less. He's big, He's great and in His greatness He's also good providing all that you need, all that we need. And so these deep, Needs of our soul. We can only find them in ourselves. I mean in God. But we fool ourselves to thinking we can find them in ourselves. We fool ourselves to thinking we can find them in the creation. And so to identify this in yourself, you need to ask, where are you looking for your satisfaction? Where are you looking to be comfort? Is it in money or or is it in intimacy, or is it in entertainment, or is it in food, or approval of people, or accomplishments, or safety, or sleep, or fitness, or relationships with people, or, or comfort, or success, or self-help books, or Oprah, or Dr. Phil, or Joel Osteen, should just throw them in there, or hobbies, probably shouldn't have, but it's too late, family, is it, is it in those things? I mean, these are good things. They're not not necessarily evil things, but when we make the good things the ultimate things, when we make what's good, where we find satisfaction, where we turn immediately when we need comfort, if we make those things, then that's your idol. And idols are bad things. God is good, so you don't have to find goodness anywhere else. You don't have to search for goodness anywhere else. But when we do, there's consequences. James chapter 1, starting in verse 14, he says, But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to death. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation or, sh- or shadow due to change. The things of this earth, every single thing of this earth that you would seek satisfaction in has an expiration. It's all temporary. God is eternal. His, His goodness is eternal. It's all satisfying it's deeply satisfying and only in him can we find it but I'm not I'm not ignorant to the fact that we know that yet we don't live like we believe that I know God is good I know he's satisfying but every day I know my sinful nature my flesh is going to desire to find satisfaction in other things and and, and namely it's in things that aren't bad I mean I, I think I'm pretty good at recognizing, okay, this is incredibly detrimental, but it's one of those things that don't seem that bad. In fact, they even seem good. Like James is talking about, I give into those things and I don't realize they're growing, but as they grow, they're killing me. As it grows, it's, it's killing everything that I think I'm in control of. And I love my wife. I want so badly for her to be happy. I work hard for her happiness. And she becomes my idol in such a a way that doesn't seem wrong to me. I I want her to be happy. So I put effort and energy into that. Instead of realizing she's a good gift from a good God. And as I worship and glorify him and, and seek him and see him in his goodness, she Will be loved well. She will be cared for well. She will find joy, not in my ability to be the best husband in the world, but in as I lead her in worshiping God in the way we live our lives. What seems good can grow, and if she's my idol, we're in trouble. Not just for me, but for her and for Titus. So what are the things that we are seeking satisfaction in every single one of them will fail you and so it's not as simple as just saying okay god's good i don't have to do this god's good so i'm not worried about that it's it's going to be a spiritual warfare that's another sermon another day but we have to recognize the things in our lives that we're seeking satisfaction in and and go back to god we have to make war against those things we have to when, when anger rises up in you, you have to get angry at your anger. When you, you're, you know the temptation is there and you're going towards it, you have to make war. You have to actively work against those things because God is good. And John Piper says it like this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him and ultimately God being glorified is what we're after. And your satisfaction is going to be found in that, not in the things of this world. Amen. God is glorious. God is gracious. God is great. And God is good. Search those things out on your own. Find more of what God is search your hearts, repent of your sin, find goodness, find greatness, find gloriousness, those ones are harder because they're more syllables, find graciousness in God. Don't try to prove yourself. Don't try to manipulate things and take control. And don't be overwhelmed by life and, and don't search for satisfaction in things of the earth, but don't make it about the doing. Make it about seeing these things are true about our God. And we're going to have time to worship. We're going to have time to take communion. We're going to have time to reflect on these things. Let's let's search our hearts. Let's believe the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for loving us for making us yours, for doing the work to give us freedom in the gospel, that we could praise you, that we could worship you. I pray that you would reveal to us where we need to make war against our sin, where we need to realize who you've made us and who you are making us. God, we're so overwhelmed by you so that we don't have to be overwhelmed by the things of this world. We love You. We praise You. Amen.